Uh, a genetically modified banana, which has been engineered to resist disease, is offering a glimmer of hope to an increasingly strained industry globally as disease now strikes its most popular variety. There's been a considerable outbreak of Panama disease recently, a fungus that decimates banana plants. In the 1950s, it wiped out the gross Michelle banana, which was replaced uh, with the one we now love and uh, many love, the Cavendish. Back then, the Cavendish uh, appeared immune to Panama, but a new fungal strain known as tropical race four means uh, that's not the case anymore, scientists say. The Cavendish is not commonly grown in New Zealand, but it does make up uh, nearly all of the country's imports. In Australia, scientists have been working on a genetically modified disease-resistant type of Cavendish banana, and it's now been submitted for regulatory approval to the Australian government uh, agencies. If it gets the green light, it'll be the first genetically modified banana approved anywhere in the world, although it wouldn't be immediately rolled out for human consumption. Distinguished professor James Dale of Queensland University of Technology has been working on it for the better part of three decades. I asked him uh, why bananas are susceptible to disease. It probably isn't something um, particularly about bananas. Uh, one of the one of the big problems with with bananas is that they're vegetatively propagated. That means that they're not grown from seed, and the vast majority of bananas that we grow today are selections from naturally occurring hybrids. So they've never been bred. Um, and some of them are very, very old. So well, I'm talking you know, Cavendish bananas, we believe, is around about a 1,000 years old, so real heritage uh, cultivars or varieties. Um, and so that means that they haven't been genetically improved over that period of time. So while the diseases have moved around uh, or the, the organisms that cause diseases have moved around, um, uh, and, and mutated uh, to a certain extent, bananas haven't. So they've become increasingly susceptible to diseases, particularly because they're grown in monocultures. And how is Panama disease now threatening the Cavendish, which is, at the moment, is it the most common variety? Yes, well, Cavendish, believe it or not, is, is probably accounting for yeah, around about 50% of the bananas grown in the world, which is a, you know, incredible when you think that there is somewhere between 300 and 1,000 different varieties of bananas. Cavendish is 50% of all the bananas we grow. Um, so the, the real challenge with Panama disease, and this is a particular type of Panama disease, it's called Tropical Race 4, um, it kills Cavendish. It's a, it's a fungus that lives in the soil, uh, and once it gets into the soil, it's virtually impossible to get rid of it. Um, there was a previous version that still exists or called Panama disease race one, and it was the disease that wiped out the previous major export banana, which was a banana called Gros Michel. Uh, Cavendish is, is totally resistant to race one, but is highly susceptible to tropical race four. So how critical is the industry right now, I guess, uh, and what's happening in response to this threat to 50% of all bananas, potentially? Yeah, that's right. So what, what's happening is, you know, the, the disease is moving slowly. It was it's probably, um, it probably originated in Indonesia, Malaysia, where a lot of the bananas actually evolved. So it's probably been there forever. Um, because it sort of moves relatively slowly and it has to get humans to move it around, uh, and we're very good at moving diseases around. 
Um, and it, it got into Northern Australia in the 1990s. Um, and it's moved, then moved up through um, Asia, particularly into Taiwan and the Philippines and China, and then going right across Southeast Asia. It's in, now in, into India. It's in the Middle East. Um, it got a foothold in Africa relatively early on. Um, and now, uh, in 2019, was recorded for the first time in South America in Colombia. And that was the thing that really set the the banana world on fire uh, because South and Central America account for around about 85% of the world's export bananas, which are essentially all Cavendish. <laughs> um, so what's happening now is that people are saying, okay, we've got to, we've either got to develop resistance or we've got to find a replacement. So Cavendish was the replacement for Gros Michel, but it already existed. There's nothing like Cavendish sitting around waiting, waiting to be recruited to take Cavendish's place. So there are various strategies to do that. There are conventional breeding programs, uh, and there are three or four of those, some of them quite, quite advanced. Um, and then there are programs like ours. Um, we're using, well, we have used genetic modification and we're now using gene editing. And there are also um, selections of um, natural uh, variants of bananas um, that have showing some tolerance rather than resistance. So there's lots going on. Uh, it's, it's not as if uh, everyone's sitting around and wringing their hands and saying, what are we going to do? Um, a lot of activity, and I think in reality we've got we've got a fair bit of time um, because the disease does move slowly and it is possible to slow the spread. So let's look at this genetically modified banana that you've been working on. If it gets approval, it will be um, the first, I think, in the world, the first GM modified banana approved anywhere in the world. Although it wouldn't immediately come into the uh, into, into um, human consumption, wouldn't immediately come on market. But what's been the path to getting here? And you just mentioned gene editing. You, you might want to explain uh, exactly what has been done to modify the banana you're working on. Okay, so we we started on this program uh, around about twenty years ago. So it's <laughs> it's been a long time in the making. So we 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 um, we assumed at that time that uh, tropical race four was going to become a a, a very serious a very serious disease, and so we started to look for how we can generate resistance. Um, my group has always been involved in genetic modification of bananas, so we looked at that as a as a strategy. Um, we said, okay, where would how would we generate that resistance? The obvious way is to say, look. Why don't we go and look in wild bananas that are already resistant? And we had access to a banana called Musa acuminata malacensis. It's a wild banana from Southeast Asia. Um, it's a seeded banana, so it's got seeds rather than Cavendish, which obviously doesn't. Um, but it's essentially immune to tropical race fall. So we went into the genome of that banana and identified a, a, a candidate gene that we called RGA2, uh, and we then transferred that that gene, that banana gene, uh, into Cavendish by genetic modification. Um, we then took those bananas up to the Northern Territory for field trialling, and we have 
out of a small number of, of lines we developed. Um, four lines were had very good resistance and one line, the one we now call QCAB4, which has been field trialled for over six, nearly seven years now, um, is, is essentially immune to tropical race fall um, and doesn't have any yield drag. So the yield is as good as, as normal Cavendish bananas. So that's the one that we've progressed through deregulation. And as you say, if that's approved, and we believe it will be, um, it'll be the first genetically modified banana approved uh, for cultivation in the world. And that um, dates back to 2004, James. Did you, did you actually achieve this back in 2004, nearly 20 years ago? No, that's when we, that's when we started hunting right. for the gene. It took, it took us a while to do that. And there were some interruptions on the way through because we weren't able to test the bananas in, um, in Queensland because we didn't have the disease, and that's, you know, that's good biosecurity measures, um, biosecurity policy. Uh, and there was nowhere, there weren't any glass houses in the Northern Territory where the disease was very prevalent uh, that we could test genetically modified bananas. And it wasn't until a grower up there said, hey, would you like to do field trials on my plantation, that we were able to start to test them. And we had to go through two rounds of field trials. The first field trial actually was terminated because there was another disease up in the Northern Territory called freckle, which meant they tried to eradicate that by eradicating all the bananas in that region, and that's where our field trial was. So it's, there, there have been interruptions. If it had gone straight through, you know, it would have taken probably uh, 10, 10 years rather than 20 years, but, yeah, we've been working on it for a while. So what you did was genetic, genetic modification by inserting a gene that's protective rather than gene editing by taking out a gene is is that broadly correct? Um, yes. Yeah, so, so uh, the, the best way to put it is with genetic modification, uh, we're adding new DNA. In this case, a banana gene. Um, with gene editing, we're we're um, uh, just editing the genes that are already present in Cavendish. So it's not add, adding any new DNA. Editing can involve uh, as you say, knockouts. So you can you can knock out the function of a gene, and that's the simplest way to do it. Um, you can do other things like increase uh, the the um, amount of product from that gene, uh, so known as increasing expression levels, and we're doing that. So one of the interesting things is the gene that we moved from um, the wild banana into Cavendish bananas also occurs in Cavendish. It just doesn't work. Um, and in fact, it's present in virtually all bananas, or all bananas we've tested. Um, so one of the things we're doing is, by editing, is to try to turn that gene back on again so we would have uh, natural resistance. Um, so which, and, which version and, is in front of uh, your authorities, though, for approval? Which um, oh. action? Oh, the genetically modified right, one. Right, understood. We haven't even, we're only just starting field trials of the gene-edited version, and we don't know whether we've been able to generate resistance yet. What's the potential if this all carries on and goes, goes through, gets approval, and at some point, as you say, it doesn't need to be a, a rush, but at some point it is deemed the only 
hope basically for bananas is is to um, is to utilise the GM version. Uh, what's the potential? Is its reproduction um, normal? You know, or, or the same rather? Uh, is its yield going to be the same? Does it grow well in in in, in the same climates as Cavendish? Or are these questions to be resolved? Some of those questions are still to be resolved. I mean, if you, essentially, it, it is Cavendish, but with with an extra extra resistance gene, and um, so. They look exactly the same. They yield virtually identically. Uh, the bananas, you know, um, um, seem to ripen exactly the same. So we, in in the one environment where we've done the field trials, which is in the Northern Territory, uh, un, unless it was labelled, you wouldn't know it was genetically modified. Now, now that may not be the case if we go and put it in another environment, and that's what we're planning on doing. To test it in other environments, so that's that's the first thing. Um, it'll be able to be multiplied exactly the same way as we could currently multiply Cavendish bananas. So, uh, either from suckers, which is uh, the older method, or more recently by by tissue culture. So, it'll be able to be multiplied relatively quickly. What's been your experience right through to today with resistance, both from within um, the the growing fraternity itself, the producers themselves, as well as regulatory authorities, and how and why has that changed? So originally, that's an interesting question. Originally, there was a great deal of concern about us using genetic modification for, for improving bananas. Uh, and that was from the community and from growers. We're going back more than 20 years now. Um, what's been very interesting is that in this round, we and, and this is when it, you know, we're really at the pointy end now, um, there's been virtually no negative reaction whatsoever. Um, and I think, and I, I think that's to do with a whole lot of things. One is... Okay, Cavendish bananas are under threat. Um, you know that this this is one of one of the possible um, solutions. Uh, so we need to keep our our, um, our minds open. I think the other the, the other thing that is rattling around, um, and I can go back a little bit further when there was a when there was a survey probably about ten years ago in Australia. Uh, there was a guy who used to regularly do a survey of attitudes to genetic modification um, in Australia. Uh, and, and the year that the, he did it, there was, there was a sudden change in acceptance to virtually nearly 50%. And when they delved into why that was, it was because we were going through a very severe drought and there'd been a lot of, a lot of discussion about, hey, you know, we've got to be careful about our food that we have sufficient food. I think what's happening now, and this is subliminal, I think, is that with climate change, um, not only bananas, but probably all other crops are going to be under so much more threat. We're going to need all the tools that we can bring to bear on on making sure that we can produce food at, at, the, at, at the level and the quality that we do now. That is James Dale. He is Distinguished Professor... James Dale of Queensland University of Technology. The non-profit voluntary organisation GE Free New Zealand says it has written to Food Standards Australia New Zealand 
urging it to pull the application for the QCAV for banana until more safety and quality checks are undertaken. It says Food Standards Australia New Zealand's summary assessment, which concluded the banana carries no health and safety concerns, implies the authority conducted the safety studies itself. The authority has responded, saying because no new hazards were identified in its assessment, no additional studies are required. As we said in the introduction, the Cavendish is not commonly grown in New Zealand, but it makes up nearly all of the country's banana imports.